Welcome to the Mixdown. I'm Christopher Fay, the Executive Director of Homestretch. The mission of Homestretch is to empower homeless parents with children by giving them the knowledge, skills, and hope that they need to become self-sufficient. This is our new podcast where we talk about timely issues around homelessness, learn from inspiring stories, and share the hope that is actualized when crisis is turned into opportunity. In this episode, I am joined by Crystal Fitzsimons from the Food Research and Action Center, sometimes known colloquially as FRAC. Crystal is also a mother of two, an avid marathon runner, and a big fan of Brussels sprouts. Welcome, Crystal. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me today. So for our listeners, could you tell us a little bit about the Food Action and Research Center, their history, their priorities, what they do? Sure. So the Food Research and Action Center, commonly called FRAC, um, is a nationwide anti-hunger organization. We've been around for about 50 years. And we focus on ensuring that everyone has access to a healthy diet with dignity. And that really does lead us to focus to kind of the federal nutrition programs, which includes SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and then for my work, I really do focus on school breakfast and school lunch and summer meals and after-school snacks and suppers um, to make sure that school-age kids have access to good nutrition when they're outside of the home at school or at summer programs or after-school programs. And Crystal, of course, uh, Homestretch serves homeless families with children. So the average age of someone coming into a program is only about nine years old. So we benefit from the work you do. We are very grateful to you and your organization for the advocacy you do on behalf of those children who um, struggle every day just to be able to have the nutrition they need to be able to get through a day, let alone learn and, and excel. So what are the trends you see in your field? Well, I think there's been a growing understanding of how important school meals are for kids and families. So, you know, when we look back to when the pandemic hit, um, schools across the country closed overnight and millions of kids lost access to free breakfast and lunch at school. And as a result, we saw food insecurity skyrocket, particularly with families with children, um, school-age children. And then at the same time, obviously, there was a huge impact on the economic situation for millions of families across the country as families lost jobs and wages. And so I think, you know, one of the things that's happened over the last year and a half is that people have really gained a greater understanding of how important school breakfast and school lunch is for millions of kids across the country. And I think how important... Um, and supportive those programs are because in a normal summer, so like what happened during the pandemic is what happens during a normal summer. Like millions of kids across the country lose access to school meals. Kids are more likely to be hungry. They gain more weight when they lose access to school meals. And then you also have the added challenge of, you know, summer learning loss and learning disruptions that happen when kids don't have access to summer programs and summer meals. I'm glad that you have uh, the sense that people in our country have become more aware of it. I'm not, I'm a little more skeptical about that. You know, our, our work at Homestretch is to provide housing and services for homeless families. And 
when I was listening to the news media this whole last year, uh, all the coverage of COVID, I, I didn't hear very much about the plight of children at home, especially around the fact that they didn't get their meals. Matter of fact, I think one of the things that we face with home stretches, most people, even the way they think of a homeless person, they don't think of a child. They think of the, the adult who might be begging on a corner or sleeping in a tent. When in fact, a large percentage of those who are homeless are parents with children. I think the reason they, we don't think about them is they tend to be less visible because the parent is trying to protect that child from scrutiny, trying to keep them out of harm's way, keep them out of being stared at. Even in school, I think this is true. Children don't want to be known as homeless, so they won't broadcast it themselves. Which brings us to another question. You were talking about the, the impact of COVID on the food insecurity of children. We, we noticed that, that many of our families were working prior to COVID, but they actually lost their jobs because they were employed in those very fields are most impacted by the, the virus. So retail jobs, hospitality jobs, working as home health care aides, or, or in, in, um, they were the last to be hired and first to be fired kind of jobs, often very much in relation with other people where they were high risk. And these families and the children often have chronic health issues, which make them even more at risk of infection. Can you talk a little bit more about how you think COVID has impacted children in our in our country and what the prospects are for this coming year? Sure. Well, so I mean, we saw a huge impact on kids in during COVID, and I, I going back to your earlier point, like. Parents do so much to try and protect their kids, um, and we see that in hunger as well. Like when families are struggling to put food on the table, the parents often will reduce the amount of food that they eat or eat fewer meals to try and protect their kids from hunger. So I think you know parents are doing a lot to try and protect their kids and everything that they can. But um, as far as the impact, I mean, when kids go to school. It's accessing school breakfast and school lunch is relatively easy. You know, you have a captive audience. You don't have any transportation barriers. Um, those programs are there. And then when schools are not in session, and even you know the best summer food programs and the best uh, efforts to try and make sure that kids still have access to meals during the summer, it's just much harder because of the transportation barriers and the timing barriers and just kind of the information barriers where families don't know where they can access the meals. But you know, most public schools across the country are providing breakfast and lunch at school. And so it provides like an automatic place for kids to get access to meals. Um, and so that has been critical. And we've seen, you know, we've seen participation in these programs drop during the pandemic in large part because of the transportation barriers and logistical barriers. Um, but a lot of school districts really did work very hard to try and make sure that kids would still have access to meals. And then we also saw some really amazing partnerships among community-based organizations and schools and others who really did work hard to make sure that kids would have access to me the meals that they needed. Well, I think a lot of the reason that is working is because of advocates like you organization represent. So again, thank you for that. Let me ask the next question. Do you what what do you consider some of the most common misunderstandings about the interplay between homelessness and child hunger? 
Well, I think, you know, I think both homelessness and childhood hunger, um, you know, are really kind of these basic things that families need support and help with in order for kids to be able to achieve and to focus in school. Um, We are very lucky in that if a child is homeless, they are automatically eligible for a whole range of child nutrition programs that are designed to support um, good nutrition for kids who need it. Um, so that includes access to school meals, it includes access to after-school suppers and summer food and weekend meals. Um, and so, you know, we have these amazing child nutrition programs that are really designed to try and help support families and ease some of the pressure on household budgets around food. Um, but those connections don't always happen in some cases because of stigma around participating in the program. In some cases, it's around, um, you know, just not being able to access the program because they're not easily accessible. Um, but I think there's been a lot of thought that's happened within the child nutrition programs to try and make sure that kids who are homeless have access to the meals that they need. Crystal, you mentioned the word stigma, and I think that's an important word to explore a little bit. Um, the stigma that can be attached to being poor, being homeless, to not having resources that other kids have. That can happen at any age, but I think the older they get, teenagers, you can, you can really be um, shamed simply for not having the resources that your peers have. Can you talk about that a little bit? What, what happens in the schools? How do you guard against the stigma that can be attached to uh, being poor or being homeless? Yeah, well, so over the years, you know, there's been a huge effort to make sure that kids who are eligible for free school meals are not overtly identified. And so, you know, instead of having some kids give cash in the cafeteria, most schools actually have like a PIN number where people enter their PIN number and kids who are homeless are automatically eligible uh, for free school meals. But at the same time, you see different pieces and how things play out in cafeterias. So like in some cafeterias, you'll see, you know, the line for the school lunch program is in one spot and the line for what we call like competitive foods, which are not part of the national school lunch program and which families have to pay for might be in another part of the cafeteria. And so the kids with money go stand in that line and the kids who don't have money don't stand in the school lunch line And that creates a stigma for participation. So one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is that schools have been able to offer free meals to all students. Um, This has been done to support access because so many families have become eligible for free school meals. Um, And so that's made the whole process easier. And it's also been done to help support program operations because it's a lot easier to just serve the meal and not do the administrative work that's tied to identifying whether or not a child is eligible for free reduced price or paid meals. And so that approach creates a more positive environment for the cafeteria for all kids. Like if every child has access to a free meal in a cafeteria, it eliminates the stigma with participating in school lunch. And we see participation go up. So, like, just thinking about kind of the national numbers, we have about 29 million kids who are certified for free or reduced price school meals nationwide, but we have less than 22 million kids receiving free or reduced price school meals. 
So we see about 7 million kids who are eligible opting out of free or reduced price school meals. And we think that part of what's driving that is kind of the stigma in the cafeteria where as kids get older and become more aware of what's going on, that they don't want to be labeled as participating in a free meal program. And so one of the easiest, best ways to make it you know, more accessible and have everybody be excited to participate in the program is to make sure that it's available to all at no charge. Right. That thought brings me to my next question, which is, you know, as nonprofits, we all work with limited resources, but big hopes and, and dreams. If you could wave a magic wand and you had all the resources you needed at your disposal, what would you want to do to be able to help homeless children? So what I would probably say is, you know, just making sure that those connections take place. Like, I think one of the coolest things about the school nutrition program, summer and after school, is that really designed to support kids in the broader, their broader needs as well. So, you know, if you think about kids going to school, we want to make sure that they have a healthy breakfast and a healthy lunch so that they can focus and concentrate and learn throughout the school day. Um, we want kids to be in safe after-school programs where they're getting the additional enrichment and educational support that mo- every child needs, and kids who are homeless need that support just as much um, to really help overcome some of the challenges that those families are facing. And then the same thing with the summer programs. Like we see summer learning loss happening to kids. We know that kids who are low income and kids who are homeless are most at risk for that. And summer programs are a really great way to have, you know, education and enrichment activities and fun and recreation and a safe place for kids to be. Um, And combining that with healthy meals, that is really kind of the best approach um, to making sure that kids are able to access the nutrition they need. And I would also say it, like having it at a high quality program that kids are excited to be at, it's just a win-win for kids and for families. Crystal, you seem to have a, a sense of real enthusiasm about your work and hope for the future. I want to ask you about that hope and that, that enthusiasm. What is it that sustains you or what gives you hope around the idea that we can feed all the hungry children in our country? Well, so I think, you know, and I think this is probably true with homelessness. Like, I think if you asked anybody, they would say, I don't think any child shouldn't have a home. I don't think any child shouldn't have the food that they need to grow and learn and thrive. Um, And so I think some of the big challenges have than whether or not people are really willing to spend the money to make sure that that happens. And on the child nutrition front, I will say there has been a huge focus in trying to invest in these programs in a way that will ensure better access to food. So just a couple weeks ago, USDA announced that they were going to shift SNAP benefits to better reflect the dietary needs of families, like the SNAP benefits were based on this old plan that was developed a long time ago that doesn't make as much sense and doesn't provide fruits and vegetables and or the resources to purchase those things. And so that shift has happened. And so we're expecting families to have more resources to purchase foods for the household, 
under SNAP. We also are expecting more schools to be able to offer free meals to all students. So I think that is a really important piece. And I'm sure with you guys being based in the nation's capital where, you know, and in the tri-state area, I know you guys are in Virginia, but the cost of living where we are at is so high that we have so many families who are struggling to make rent and who are becoming homeless because of that, that are not, if they're not homeless, they're not eligible for free meals. So in order to be able to receive free school meals, a family of four needs to be making $35,000 or less annually, which we know a lot of families are still struggling to make ends meet, to pay the rent, to put food on the table at that level. And we know that the livable wage is much higher than that. And so by offering free meals to all students, you're helping to ease kind of the financial burden on families so that kids have the nutrition that they need and to ease kind of the household budget a little bit to make things a little bit less stressful, a little bit less um, likely that, that families are going to fall behind on their rent. That's right. I, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate the work that FRAC does on behalf of all these families, not just in our area, but nationwide. One of the things I wish, if I could wave a magic wand, is that whenever any adult looks out on a child, they could see their own child. They could see that child as having the same potential that their own child has, the same dreams, the same capacities, the same ability to do extraordinary things, and that we would make the investment in every child that we would make in our own. If we really looked at every child as worth the investment we put into our own children, we would transform this world. We'd certainly transform our country. And I think we'd probably end hunger. I think one of the great problems is still this old thought that the poor are poor because of their own faults. And the children in those families are simply casualties of some parents' mistake, or some parents' bad judgment when that isn't, really, that isn't really what poverty is about. One of the things that we really experience on a regular basis with Homestretch is that people defy expectations of what, what others expect of them. They even defy their own expectations if they're given a chance. Everyone, the parent and the child, wants what everyone else wants. They want the same opportunities. They want to be able to exceed what everyone else thinks they can do, and they want to excel in life, and we need to give them that chance. And what you're doing through this organization is doing that. We really admire you and admire all of your colleagues. So please take back from Homestretch our appreciation for your advocacy on behalf of poor and homeless children throughout our country. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I think that the world that and the vision that you create or that you're putting out there, Chris, is I can agree with you more. I, I do think the world would be a lot better if every parent could see and every adult could see what they want for their kid and make sure that every child has it, that it would change the world. It would make the world a much better place. It would make it a much kinder place. And you wouldn't see the homelessness. You wouldn't see the hunger. Um, and you wouldn't see the educational inequities if we could figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Well, Crystal, thank you. You've been a wonderful guest. Thank you very much for joining us. Again, this is Crystal Fitzsimons, and she represents the Food Research and Action Center.
Crystal, why don't you uh, repeat the website for your organization and do it twice so anyone listening can pick it up. Sure. It's www.frac.org. www.frac.org. Excellent. And for those listening, our call to action in this episode is especially exciting. If you want to be a part of supporting homeless parents with children that face food insecurity, please make a donation through our website, homestretchva.org, or at frac.org. Thank you very much. Thank you, Crystal, and thank you to all our listeners. Please also subscribe to the Mixed Down.